The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, this is former Pro Bowl Center for the Buffalo Bills, Eric Wood, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on the Circling the Wagons podcast. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Yeah. 2022. We here. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills Mafia, what is up? My name is Nate. I am the host of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Um, So good to talk to you guys tonight on this Twitter space where we will be previewing the Bills-Giants game and hoping to get a chance to talk injuries with my guy Kyle Trimble at at BangedUpBills, the guy who owns BangedUpBills.com, one of the best injury sites in general, but definitely one of the best for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Kyle has an in-depth knowledge of everything that's going on at One Bills Drive. We can talk about the injuries that are currently going on, um, injuries that... Uh, are potentially season ending and if there's a glimmer of hope that maybe we could get uh, some of these guys back uh, by the end of the year uh but first uh, this episode is brought to you by the twin spire sportsbook at delago if you're in the western new york or central new york area do yourselves a favor head on down to waterloo and check out the delago resort and casino um first just want to give a few thoughts on last week's game on the Jaguars. For those of you that heard our podcast, thank you very much. Um, I was recording it from the mountains, so the audio wasn't great quality. So I appreciate you doing that. We were using um, a different app that we normally use, um, just giving it a shot, and probably won't be using it again. Um, luckily, I did get a chance to edit it when I got back from camping. So uh, so thank you guys for being patient there. But um, just some thoughts uh about the Bills game, um, the further I get away from it, the less upset I am over it. I know that uh, that happens every time after a loss, like the Jets game. Um, the Jaguars just had the Bills number on uh, defense. They just stopped a lot of what the Bills did. And uh, some things that I'm hoping for this week, though a little bit different than last week, is I'm hoping they keep Dorian Williams in at linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. I know they they shifted him out. They thought he overpursued a little bit on some uh, some plays, uh, and they decided to go the safer option with Tyrell Dodson. And I get that. I mean, you're in a game where it's very close. You could win it as long as you don't make mistakes, and they didn't want to allow Travis Etienne or anyone else like that to uh, break a big one. And I know that that's, that was the issue or that was the worry, and uh, he ended up breaking a big one anyway, so it didn't matter that uh, Dorian Williams wasn't on the field. But um, this is one of the softest spots on the schedule for the Buffalo Bills. Um, There's seven games in a row where they could easily win. Uh, I think that this is the time to get Dorian Williams in there because he shows just 
these athletic traits that the other linebackers don't. Now, they're all about the same size. They're within an inch or so of each other. They're all about within five or ten pounds of each other. So that's not the issue. Um, his He has great athletic abilities that just the other guys on the roster don't have. Maybe besides Terrell Bernard, but even more than Terrell Bernard. Um, I think he's he tested better athletically in a lot of different areas at the Combine than uh, Terrell Bernard did. Um, so, and you see how well Terrell Bernard's doing. So Dorian Williams, I really hope he gets some more chances this upcoming game against the Giants. Some other notes, um, I want to mention some of the things on the uh, on the Giants side of the ball. So if you haven't looked at the Giants stats or if you haven't watched any of their games, um, congratulations, you didn't miss anything. Um, you actually helped yourself out by not watching any of the Giants games because of how terrible they were. Um, but I was... I was looking at their stats. I watched the game last week against the Miami Dolphins, and just as you suspected, um, that they weren't they weren't good. The Giants are not a good team. They're bottom third in almost every aspect, uh, in a lot of different metrics. Um, I mean, on offense and defense. I mean, this is this is a team that's just not in a good place, and some of it's due to injuries, but a lot of it has to do with the lack of talent on both the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. A lot of it has to do with the fact that this schedule is a lot harder this season than it was last season. Last year, they had the AFC South. This year, they have the AFC East. It's a lot tougher for them. Saquon Barkley is hurt. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't help them. Um, you know, maybe they were just a Cinderella team uh, last season that nobody was suspecting to expecting to get go very far, and they did. Uh, I don't think that that gets any better this week against the Buffalo Bills. Um, one of the few players that uh you know stands out to me is kevon thibodeau um on the defensive line he had a slow start to the season uh for the giants but he was making some impact plays last week against the dolphins we know the dolphins don't have the best offensive line um the bills uh made a point of that but the giants on the other side of the ball on their offensive line they're allowing six sacks a game and the bills are one of the best defensive lines in the nfl maybe even even with Daquan Jones out, but now with Von Miller in. Um, that's another thing that gets lost a lot last week is that, um, is that hey, hey, I think we got Kyle here. Kyle. Kyle Trimble from Banged Up Bills. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. It was, uh, I know, last second, but sometimes you try to make things work when you can. Dude, this is this is worth it. I, I appreciate you coming on. I was just talking about the, the Bills-Giants game, and this is a perfect segue into the injuries, um, everything going on, because as, as many of you already know, or if you don't know for whatever reason, um, Kyle uh, runs bangedupbills.com. It's one of the best sites in general for injuries, but obviously for the Buffalo Bills, it is the best site. I mean, Kyle is, is a doctorate in physical therapy. He has a lot of extensive experience uh, treating and diagnosing folks with these injuries. So um, I love listening to your stuff with Joe and, and everyone else you go on. So, uh, and we've had you on uh, several different times. So, so uh, thanks for coming on, man. This is, this is going to be fun. Well, it's not going to be fun because it's never fun when we have to really talk with you. Right. Like it doesn't mean that there's a lot of good things going on in their injury world. Right. Agreed. It's kind of like you want to talk about it, but it's not fun to talk about. It. It's almost like, it's like I'm the grim reaper. It's like, you know, I'm coming, you know what I'm there for, but you don't want to see me in a sense too. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like that meme with the Grim Reaper knocking down the door, right? Like, yeah, it's just like, man, I hope who's next. Jeez. I hope no one's <laughs> next. No, no, this is, this is, no, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, So the first thing I want to ask you is actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, we lost Tredavious White for the season. It was an Achilles. It was, it was found. It was an Achilles in, uh, injury tear. Uh, I believe he had surgery to repair that. Am I correct in saying that? I believe he already did. Yeah, he would have had it by now. I don't know when he exactly had it, but that's not something you wait a ton of time around for. So he probably went out to whoever does the best. I mean, those guys have access to whatever they need to, and the team's going to foot the bill. So I wouldn't be surprised if we went to Los Angeles to see uh, the same guy that did Rogers, Aaron Rogers surgery or uh, Cam Akers, whoever. But he's going to go wherever is the best and start working on rehab immediately. Got it. And, you know, for the... I think we're going to talk about, you know, Daquan Jones and Matt Milano a second, but I mean, what is the time frame for an injury like Tredavious White? Is this, is this going to be like an ACL injury as far as like length? Could we expect to see him back roughly around the same time 
that he left, or could it be longer or shorter? Um, roughly, it's around the same timeline. Uh, the article I did on my site uh, the last week, I mean, everything kind of runs together with all the injuries recently. <laughs> but yeah. um, the average timeline is about nine months for guys to come back. And there's guys who uh, tear and they're back within, you know, under a calendar year. Sometimes, sometimes guys take a lot longer. Uh, I'll give two different examples. So when we played the Chiefs in the um, AFC title game, I think we... Eric Fisher, yeah. So Eric Fisher was offensive tackle for the Chiefs. He was playing against us. He tore his Achilles, and that was back in like late January. Now, offensive tackle, keep in mind. He was back and playing, I think, by week two, which was just under nine months being a big guy like that. And I mean, he was never quite the same player, but still to get back that quickly was impressive. And he ended up getting signed with the Colts later that offseason after they uh, made the Super Bowl and whatnot. And when that's where the season Super Bowl, where they got kicked uh, kicked around by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there's that. And then you also got, on the other hand, Nick Needham, who uh, plays for the Dolphins, uh, cornerback or safety. And he's still recovering from a week six Achilles tear. Now, he was put on pup. I think he has setbacks somewhere, um, but he just took a long time to get back. And then and even another guy who took a longer time to get back was like Bacher. He tore his Achilles in week six of the twenty. 20- 21 season and it took him a whole year to get back and he did have a setback from what Brandon Bean said so you look at about nine months for guys to come back we've seen things like Cam Akers come back in you know under six months but it can take upwards of a year too it just depends on you know the position if there's setbacks and how guys do it in general gotcha when you saw what happened with Tredavious White in the field did you know immediately that was an Achilles injury like is it obvious by the way a guy like falls or because I was, I was initially thinking knee injury just because of it was non-contact and he just felt like that. I mean, how can you tell, like, is there a certain way that they grab their, their leg or something like that? Uh, So when I looked at initially, I thought Tyreek Hill kicked him and I was like, okay, maybe he got kicked and it hurts real bad. And he's looking around and then you look at the replay and like Tyreek was near him, but he didn't really kick him and he's just running. He kind of just act like somebody shot him. And that's usually a pretty, indicative way of saying like something's not right here and then he goes down and you look at the replay a little bit more and he's just going like with the scary thing with Achilles with Trey White is he there really wasn't anything crazy about it. He was just running. It wasn't like you see sometimes the other ones or even like Aaron Rodgers we saw where he got way up over you know the, his body got way up over his foot and he was trying to still run as Leonard Floyd was tackling him and the calf went, and the you know, Achilles snapped. Or we see other times where guys cut real hard or try to cut back, and they just overload the tendon and snaps. He was just running, which is just like, he's done that how many times, and it just decided to go. Like I, It didn't look like he lost his balance, So, but the key thing was he looked like he got shot. So it's like, okay, something's not right. And you know, I do injury spotting for uh, Dr. David Chow, pro football doc. You know, he has his own website and whatnot, but I tweeted, or I, I DM'd immediately, I go, it looks like Achilles for Trey, and you know he's looking at the replay. I put out what I thought it was there, and it just it turned out to be that. So it was a pretty apparent thing, which was highly unfortunate because he worked so hard to get back from that ECL with all the mental hurdles and just the physical aspect of dealing with such a major injury. They're completely unrelated, right? Like, I mean, I don't even know if it's on the same leg that he tore his ACL. Like that that doesn't lead from one to the other, right? There's no, there's no. There's no correlation. Fact. There is a weird correlation. I don't know why, but there I found a handful of guys who that did happen to. Um, happened to Jason Verrett, uh, who's still, I think, trying to play in the league. Um, happened to him twice, both sides. It's happened to um, Sterling Shepard, where you don't go to uh, ACL Achilles. It happened to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, there's a few other guys I had highlighted in my article over at my site, but it was just a really weird correlation. And then, like, three Cohen happened, too. So it's – I don't know why. And some guys have had it on the same side. Some guys have had a contralateral side. In Tredavious White's case, it was left ACL, right Achilles. I, I don't know why. Um, I There's not a lot of great studies out about that. But it's something that we've seen probably over the past 10 or 15 years where we've seen that happen more. So I don't know if it's just bigger, faster, stronger, and things can't keep up. But um, there's a correlation, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that was that was a couple of weeks ago. Last week, where there was just a rash of injuries along the Buffalo Bills team. It felt it felt almost like that uh, the game against the Dolphins last year, where like everyone just came up hobbled. And some some really serious, some not so serious. Um, let's talk about the more serious ones. 
let's start with uh, Matt Milano. Matt Milano, we found out, um, did have a knee injury. Could you go into that and kind of give it, uh, give folks an idea of of what happened and and uh, and what we can expect when, if if and when we can expect him back? So Matt Milano was midway through the first quarter. Uh, he saw Trevor Lawrence start to move up in the pocket, and he went to go try to get his hands up to block the pass. And you know, if he can get uh, Lawrence too, that's always great. But then I think you had is either Tim Settle or Ed Oliver come in underneath, and then Leonard Floyd kind of came diving in to try to get Lawrence down. And so Floyd dives into the last second. Milano is trying to stop his momentum, gets his hands up, so he can't even brace himself to stop his upper body. His right leg. Uh, plants into the ground and he turns to his hard, hard turn to his right, and you can see him kind of flip up over the pile in obvious pain. So it wasn't the best angle based on how we saw it. And all 22 shows a little bit better, but still, you don't really you see the impact, but you really can't see how bad the knee bends and uh, even twists or whatnot. But they were concerned that there was ACL tear. They did say there was a fracture early on, which they're going to catch with X ray. They never came out and said exactly what he fractured, but when you are worried about ACL when there's a fracture, that's usually uh, indicative for what we call a tibial plateau fracture. So your tibia is your shin bone. It's the big bone that, that bears all the weight below the knee there. That's where your meniscus sits at and whatnot. So that direct impact um, hit the out the, the top part of the tibia and it can fracture. And there's a number of ways you can fracture. We don't really know how he fractured in terms of which parts he fractured. In my world, it's not really that important. I mean, it is, but is it like I'm? I don't know the the details between type one, type six. Like I can read it out, but it's not like oh, that's a type one based off of the video. It just you know, it's just kind of the semantics at that point in my world. So they know that, but they want to make sure the ACL is intact because when you do get tibial plateau fracture, there are associated injuries such as the soft tissue stuff like the um, ACL, PCL, meniscus. Um, and then even MCL. So we do know based off how Milano hit too, if he, the front portion of his knee took all the brunt of that hit and he kind of bent over sideways like that. I'm sure the MCL on the inside portion of the knee was also torn, but that's a well healing ligament and rarely needs surgery. So uh, we do know that Milano underwent surgery. He probably had enough of a fracture where they said, hey, this could move around. Let's stabilize it, you know, put some screws and, you know, plates and whatever else in there. And now it's a matter of healing. And what's important here to note is the Bills never ruled him out saying like, hey, you could come back later on. Like they, they did this with Jones and Milano, but they're kind of keeping the door open with everything. At the article I did over my site, once again, you can find all this stuff over there and read in great detail about this. Um, normally these injuries take between 6 and 12 months to, to heal from the tibial plateau fractures. We saw this with J.J. Uh, Watt a number of years ago. He um, was trying to get around the edge and it looked like he tore his ACL, and he just had so much force go through his knee, he broke his tibial plateau. So um, his was more non-contact, but he took a while to get back from. But I did find two instances where uh, Daniel Sorsen, a safety from the Chiefs, had uh, had tibial plateau fracture and lateral mal- or lateral meniscus tear. He had surgery mid-August of 2018 and came back midway through the season um, to play. So it was about three months and then he played in the AFC title game where they lost to the Patriots that year. And then there's another instance where one of the Green Bay Packers um, athletic trainers did a PowerPoint. I somehow found it. I don't know why or how, but he was able to do a, a basic case study and show that somebody did the same thing midway through the season and came back and played in like, you know, last one, two regular season games and played in the playoff games. So like you can see an accelerated timeline like this. Based off of that, there's a small chance Milano could come back, but you need rehab to go perfect you need to have you know uncomplicated healing you know no swelling in the knee getting the knee angry getting sore run through activity um it's not i'd say it's the exception not the rule to expect milano back but the bills have had success in getting guys back quickly you know in certain instances so it's like let's see if something does happen with him yeah, you know, that's why I'm glad you brought that up because I did read those articles about Jones and Milano. We'll get to Jones in a minute, but um there's it's it's one of those things, it's just like dumb and dumber. It's like so you're saying there's a chance, right? Like that's that's all of us Bills fans want is maybe, maybe there's this small hope because we know Trey is definitely not coming back. I mean, that will not happen. No, there's but, there's no way on Trey, but um, you know, speaking of saying the dumb and dumber thing, 
a lot of people use that meme on Reddit when I post those articles. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, I thought that same thing. I, I, I read that and I think someone replied to my retweet of your article. Like, so, yeah, um, absolutely. So, so that's, we'll see, we'll kind of like be cautiously optimistic, but know that it probably won't happen. But still, I mean, imagine if the bills were to somehow make a deep run with this roster. And then he came back for, a division, just like uh, uh, Micah Hyde was supposed to come back for the AC Championship yeah. if the Bills had made it last this last season, right? Yeah, this is how I would treat the Milano situation, like Mike Hyde situation. You, you start going, you go, and you see him start making more moves. So, yeah, if you if we start having a you know deep playoff run, or we're positioned to have a deep playoff run uh, for a second seed, and we're looking pretty good there, then yeah, I would start looking at it. it's like, hey, there's a chance he can come back, and then of course we'll start seeing him off to the side because we know that with injury reserve rules this year, if a guy starts practicing with the team, they have to put him on the injury report. So they have to activate him to uh, designate to return. That doesn't mean he has to return, but then we can get an idea how much he's doing out of practice, You know what his timeline is looking like there. They have three weeks to practice with him, so he could say, I'm going to practice and this isn't going to happen. They shut him down, but we're going to have a better idea what he looks like than if we didn't prior than prior seasons all right so let's go on to daquan jones the bill's stud defensive tackle a guy that was really i mean he was one of the elite defensive tackles in a lot of different metrics so far this season it stinks to to lose him this early i mean he was on a war path he was doing so good next to ed oliver uh he had a torn pectoral uh muscle i'll let you get into the injury and like maybe another timeline of when we can expect him back all right, so what happened with Daquan Jones was his was real subtle because I did have somebody on Twitter reach out and be like, hey, did you see Daquan you know, grab at his chest? And I didn't really say anything initially because, I mean, sometimes with the pectoral injuries, they kind of grabbing at it. And sometimes trainers will come out and look at things, and he kind of just wandered off to the sideline. Then you start seeing he was being evaluated for an injury and whatnot. But what happened was he went to go tackle Tank Bigsby. Bigsby was running forward. Um, Jones was trying to tackle him. He kind of got swept off to the side. And then he, the fact that he was trying to tackle him, his arm was engaged in, um, I don't want to say flexing, but horizontal adduction. So he's trying to wrap him up. His body weight pulled him backwards along with Bigsby pulling his arm forward there, created a eccentric attraction. So eccentric attraction is lengthening the muscle under tension. And sometimes that tension is so great that that causes you know, muscles to tear or tendons. So that's why we saw with Travis White, the eccentric attraction. We see that with bicep tears. We see the pectoral tears, a whole bunch of other stuff there. So um, we know it was a significant enough tear that he required surgery. So it usually means a full rupture. Um, he underwent surgery, I believe it was ye- yesterday, um, if we're talking Thursday night here. So um, I saw something on Instagram that made me think he was in New York City to get surgery, which wouldn't be surprising because they can go once again, go anywhere they want to. But um, we saw the pectoral injuries happen with the Bills in the past years. It depends on how severe it is. We've had guys like uh, Mike Love, who is a practice squad darling. He suffered one a few years ago, missed the entire season. We've seen guys uh, like Ed Oliver, Matt Milano, who suffer pectoral injury, but they play through that. And, of course, they had different levels of severity when they played through it. You had John Feliciano, who suffered his pectoral tear weightlifting, got surgery, and missed you know, a good chunk of the beginning of the season and came back and played. So the team has a lot of extensive experience in getting guys back quickly. Um, and if I'm going to pick one guy to come back, within reason it's going to be Daquan Jones because we have more of a timeline to see how guys return from pectoral injuries and they've done it before. They've gotten guys back. He's not going to be hundred percent when he does return, but he'd be a nice addition, you know, uh, week 18 wildcard weekend when you need an extra oomph on the defensive line. Is that one of those injuries that like, let's say he does come back week 18 or whenever. Um, can you play through that injury and still heal? Or is it staying like if you're at, 50%. It stays at 50% until you allow it to completely heal back to 100%. Uh, that's a good question. It, I mean, if he goes and irritates it, I'm sure it's going to stay at 50% or whatever you know percentage he's at there. But, I mean, he could continue rehabbing. It's not like once he returns, everything stops. Like He's going to still continue rehabbing, get treatment, everything else. It's just a matter of, hey, you're good enough to go out there and play. We put a harness on you, maybe limit your snaps, but you can at least get back out there and then get us through the games and then we can continue rehabbing you. So um, 
he's not going to stop rehabbing, but he's at least going to be good enough to where he can play. And if he can maintain a certain level of, of play, then get him through and hopefully hoist the Lombardi trophy, then continue rehabbing. <laughs> yeah, that's all we care about. That's all we care about. Just hoist that Lombardi trophy and, and then let it take care of the rest. I'm glad you said that. Um, so uh, those are the three major injuries, obviously, the Bills are dealing with. Going into the Giants game, um, there's still several uh, Bills that are, injury, that are injured. We have some did not practice. Um, we have Dane Jackson with a foot injury who has not practiced at all this week. Um, what do you know about that one? And, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really look good at this point that we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, so, Jackson, I don't really know what's going on with him because he was, despite all the other injuries we had in the game, that was one thing that never popped up. He did play in 100% of snaps. Um, I was talking with Kevin Masari with uh, cover one, and he, he had found a play where Jackson got kicked by Teron Johnson. This is like the second drive of the game, and you could see him kind of hobble a little bit, and I haven't really had a chance to look at the, the a ton of the other plays. It's not like I sit down and watch every single defensive play. I mean, I you know, I, there's limits on what I can do here, folks, but um, the, you, you take into consideration – but then you look at, okay, was he affected the rest of the game? Was he keep coming out? Did he go back in? Um, I was thinking maybe it happened something more later in the, the game, but I haven't had a chance to really go back and look as much as I want to. So that's something to watch. We did see um, a few weeks ago with Micah Hyde where he went DNP, DNP, full and had no designation. And then even um, Dawson Knox a few weeks ago, he had an injury himself. I'm trying to think what it was back it was a back injury, and he wasn't looking too good, and then suddenly, boom, he was out there and playing. So yeah, that might be the thing where, hey, let's just rest you up. It was a brutal week for everybody, um, and then get out there and play on Sunday. So we'll see what Friday brings us, but I have a hard time reading it because we don't have a ton of information on it, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, like, coming back and being banged up from – London. Um, I, I have to ask you this as someone that works in sports medicine and, you know, just rehab and, and, and you see that side of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever traveled, you know, that distance or anything like that, but um, do you think that perhaps the sports science folks at One Bill's Drive may have waited a little too long to send the guys over to London to like have their bodies adjust? Or, I mean, in your opinion, do you think they made the right move? I think they made the best decision based off the information they had at the time. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can go back and say, oh, that was a bad move. But if it was such a bad move, they wouldn't have made it in the first place. So I think that they made the right decision. They've done a lot of things right with the sports science department throughout the years and getting guys healthy, getting them out there, getting them ready to play at their best. So it might have been a miscalculation. I don't think it was wrong. I, you know, when I look at all the stuff I do from a PT standpoint, when I do from an injury analysis standpoint, you try to consider all the variables, you look at the information, and you try to come to the best conclusion possible. Sometimes you still get it wrong, and maybe there's some unknown variable you didn't account for or that you weren't aware of. So you know, to say that they were wrong, I think, is not fair to them because I think they're incredibly intelligent people. I think that they made the best decision based off of you know what they had done last time when they were in England, though I don't know if they even were around, but they have a lot of data to support what why they did what they did. So I think it might... If they go over there getting anytime soon, that might impact what they do next time. But you go off of the information you have and just try to make the best decision based off of that. Yeah, and I and I'm not necessarily saying I disagree with you or anything like that, but I've seen a lot of people say that over social media that it was because they went over late. Um, like, you know, they should have been over there for you know, as soon as the other game ended, which I'm not sure I agree with either. But I will say the only thing I can relate to is that I went to London once. And I think I went to Ireland another time. So it's roughly the same flight. And like, it took me a couple of days to get used to it. Like I'm not, you know, and I'm not an athlete by any means in, in peak physical condition whatsoever. But to say it doesn't affect you at all is I think naive. Now, could you get over it in two days? You know, being a peak athlete, I'm sure you probably could. Right. But all I can say from my standpoint is even coming back, it took a couple of days for my body to get used to it. So, um, so that's all I'll say about that. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure they made the best decision. I mean, speaking of which, like the bills have had a lot of injuries the last couple of seasons and I've talked to you for several years now, Kyle, this isn't the first time we've ever talked. And I know that you've given a ton of praise 
to their conditioning group and how well they've done. Are these just freak accidents the last couple of years? Are the Bills just that unlucky? Or does it have anything to do with, you know, maybe the group, you know, I don't want to say could be doing a better job, but is it just maybe you can't win them all, right? Like this is just a, a, a one-off, right? It, there's a lot of variables and layers to that and trying to find the best way to essentially answer it. I think they've done a really good job at trying to manage everything, but it's kind of like when you spring so many leaks, you, you try to keep up with everything. That's kind of what's happened. I mean, the volume of injuries. I know last year, Sean McDermott was talking about, well, we've got a lot of calf injuries on the defensive line. we got to look into that. Like I know they're looking at everything. I'll tell you this. If I'm looking at all this stuff and trying to figure out trend analysis and you know, looking at just where things are at, how much time guys are missing, you know that they're looking at that and then some. They have all the resources to figure out how guys are getting injured. They have the actual data, the actual injuries to look at, see what's going on, how long guys are needing rehab for, just everything goes into that. So I think sometimes the guys eventually do get just hurt too many of them and you can't keep up with it. Despite, I know they brought another athletic trainer on this year. I know they have extra help coming in whenever they can. Guys are getting treatments outside of the facility. They're doing everything they can, but um, I think it just is unlucky because they were so good for so many years where it was, it was relatively minor now just kind of regression to the mean. And then it just, when it rains and pours, I mean, some of these injuries have just been absolutely devastating how severe they are. It's not your typical hamstring out for a week, your, you know, elbow sprain, you know, it's like, if it's going to be an injury, it's going to be an injury. It just, it's different, man. Yeah, it's funny. I put up a, a poll on Twitter. It's like, why did we lose this last week or whatever? And someone was just like, we're just cursed. And he wasn't he wasn't the only person that said that. Several people are like, we're the Buffalo Bills. Like, of course, this happens, right? Um, and that's kind of how we've been as as a fandom for the past 20 years, minus the last few. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I was say that I think that's the only thing you can contribute to that, too. It's just, well, that's just part of the territory of being a Bills fan. I mean, you know, but then again, too, you look at the Patriots, you know, they're yeah. banged up right now and they're awful and they had you know, a lot of success, but you know, there, there, like there's a lot of variables to it there, but I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd rather be the Bills right now, three and two with a few of these injuries, but still be on one of the best teams in the league versus the Patriots being banged up being one and four. And they're talking about firing everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good place to be. I mean, considering everything, and plus it's a softer part of the schedule, like I mentioned earlier. So, like, this is the time to get right. So, um, other other things, Dalton Kincaid, concussion. Uh, we don't know a ton about that, but again, it's probably a wait and see how it goes through the through the week. I mean, we, we just won't know until it comes game time, right? Until until he's a full participant or anything. It could be it could be until next week or the week after potentially, right? Um, every concussion is unique, so yeah, sometimes there are things like that, that guys have setbacks and whatnot. Most guys are getting through the protocol in just over a week, so usually they miss about a game. Uh, some guys do get in under. Uh, Dalton Kincaid look, right now looks like he's going to beat the protocol and pass through it and because he was doing non-contact uh, drills today, catching footballs, everything else like that. Looks like he's stage four. And then if he's able to get out there and without a penny on, then he should be in stage five and has to be cleared by the independent neurologist. So it's a matter of just make sure he goes through the stages, but I mean, he's stage four by Thursday. That's going to be pretty good to play on Sunday. So his hit uh, was early on in the fourth quarter of Sunday's game. And it really wasn't anything crazy. Like I looked at him like, Oh, okay. And then you see go off crusher check. I go, well, that was the last play he was really in on. And he got put right back in the game. So he must have some delayed symptoms, you know, coming over on the plane, which it could have been the travel, could have been whatever else. But sometimes they do that as a precaution, just to make sure guys, don't have any issues. We saw with Patrick Mahomes a few years ago. He got that uh, sleeper hold, and they, it was a concussion. It was not a concussion. He said to go through a protocol and just make sure that you pass everything so you can say, hey, we did things by the book and get you through. So um, this would be his first documented concussion, but whether it's truly concussion or not, I think it is. But still, go through the protocol. Make sure you pass all the steps so you're not having any problems later on. Exactly, exactly. One one other person I want to add, one other player I want to ask you about, actually isn't on the Buffalo Bills team. Have you heard anything about uh, Saquon Barkley by any chance this week? I know that he's been limited practice the last couple of weeks. He's had an ankle injury. Um, he's working his way back. When I look at this, you know, this Giants team, which is, which is riddled with injuries, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it as well, um, there's a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. And the one that stands out to me for the most part is Saquon Barkley, just because I think it could actually matter in the game, besides Daniel Jones, of course. Um, have you heard anything about that? Have you followed that at all? 
Yeah, I have been. So I write fantasy for Dynasty League Football, so I've had to write about some of his uh, injuries and then just kind of keeping up on everything with that. Um, So he had a high ankle sprain in week two against the Cardinals. And, of course, the media is like, oh, it's just a regular ankle sprain. And Saquon is like, no, it's a high ankle sprain. It it might still be a routine sprain, but it's a high ankle variety, which means it's going to be a little more severe uh, in terms of performance and return to play than your garden variety low ankle sprain that you can just tape up there. So um, he hasn't played since then. It looks like he's on track to play, but that would be about, you know, uh, three, four, five, about three games missed, which is pretty typical for high ankle. Even when he comes back, he's still not going to be a really good player. And like we saw that happen when he came back from his high ankle two years ago because he's had some major injuries, unfortunately. So it just takes a while for guys to can't get up and moving after that. So will he still be dangerous back on Sunday? Yes, but not to the level that we see when he's peak Saquon healthy, whatnot. So I, you know, it's the right side. So I'd be, you know, making him cut to the right and really jam through the ankle. He can't really get, you know, motive or um, leverage off of that. I'd make him cut sideways. Just as long as he's not getting north south, I mean, you're going to be able to stop him. So um, I wouldn't eliminate his, I wouldn't, I wouldn't eliminate him saying, oh, he's not going to be a part of the game plan. Don't worry about him. But I don't think you need to put everything you have on him because he's going to get a few runs, but he's not going to be as effective as he was because he's not healthy. Gotcha. So not really a worry. I mean, I feel like the Bills, let me know what you think about this. I feel like the Bills struggle against speed backs anyway, it feels like. Like the Brees Halls of the world, like the A-chains of the world um, for the Dolphins. Like those are the guys that they just like, they could break a run at any moment. As opposed to like the bigger guys. I mean, not that Saquon Barkley's slow by any means, but a banged up Saquon Barkley might be a different uh, a different guy to play against. Um, do you see that at all from the Bills, you know, in the in the defensive side of the ball? I mean, he's definitely – I mean, he, he's, he's a special type of runner, um, you know, whether he's more speed or power or whatnot. But I just don't think he's going to be able to get anything going, especially right off that first game back. I mean, talk to me in December. Maybe he's going to have a little more oomph to his game, but I just don't think he's going to have anything special to his, his um, repertoire where he can really get things going. So, once again, try to bottle him up make him part of the game plan and stop him, but don't put extra resources on him because I don't think he's going to be that effective. I think he's just going to have trouble getting going, but just don't let him get an open field because then any guy can make anything happen out there. It's yeah, the NFL. Exactly. And their backup running back, uh, Gray, does not um, scare me at all based on what I've seen. Um, I'm sorry, not it's Matt Breida and Gray. Um, as their as their backup, so yeah, those are we've we've seen all those guys. There's a lot of Buffalo Bills players coming back this week to play against the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you have Tyrod Taylor potentially if Daniel Jones doesn't start. You have Matt Breed. I just mentioned Isaiah Hodgins. Um, I don't know if Feliciano is still with the Giants. I believe he is. No, he's with the uh, Niners now. Oh, is he with the Niners? Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. So, so I mean, but you have obviously Brian Dable coming back. Um, I'm sure there's other players I haven't thought about at the moment. Um, when you think about this game, and I just want your general thoughts about the Bills, are you worried about the this game at all? I mean, the Bills are favored by 14 points. I mean, do you think the Bills cover this, or is there any reason that you know you're even worried about it as a fan? I mean, I feel like you should win, but I mean, they are going up against Brian Dable. They do know who he is, but you can't. Like it's the NFL, like every team is close, even though they're getting beat up. Like you never want to say, ah, no big deal. Like we did that last year or two years ago with uh, Jacksonville. We've done that where there's been trap games. So you never want to just um, not count certain teams and just say you're going to run over them because that's where you lose. But I think they have to go in. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants do kind of keep things closer a little bit. So a 14-point spread, I want to say that worries me, like, if I'm a betting guy, just take the money line. You might not make as much money, but you're going to win something versus a 14-point spread because sometimes things can happen, especially if you've got Tyrod back there. You know, they He can make th- some things happen. He's not the best quarterback, but he can be a good game manager, and game manager, and he can still you know get a win if he needs to. I mean, that's why you have a decent backup quarterback to still keep the ship going while the starter's out. So um, I think the Bills will win, but I – I just want the win. Just get out and get healthy. That's the big thing I want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which they, which they haven't done really the last two games. They haven't done both of those things. They've done one of those things sometimes, but uh, but they haven't been getting out and getting healthy. Um, this was a ton of fun. I mean, real quick, like you mentioned, Tyrod Taylor. I, I I'll tell you what, we always do like a betting on the Bills segment on our Thursday preview episodes, and I like this game 
a lot, even with the points, if Daniel Jones plays. If Tyrod Taylor plays, for whatever reason, I know he's, what, 33, 34, like his, his running days are really behind him. But, I mean, I watched him start only a few series in that Dolphins game after Jones went out, and he just gives a little bit more of a spark to that offense than uh, Daniel Jones does necessarily. So, um, And we've seen him do it in Buffalo. You know, we've seen him have, have an effect on the offense and just kind of pull out of – pull out a win or, or be competitive when maybe the bills shouldn't be um, in the past. So does that worry you at all? If Tyrod comes in, like maybe this game could be a little bit closer. I, I definitely think it would be. I mean, I think he just brings a different element to it. I mean, I know that Daniel Jones, I don't think is long-term answer that I know they gave him that big contract, but he's still not getting paid top of the market. So uh, Tyrod could certainly bring a new element to the game where you you haven't seen him in a while. Like he's been bouncing around. So like he could bring something different and Brian Dable's known to, you know, work certain things in. So they could say, Hey, we're going to try to catch him by surprise. So it wouldn't surprise me. And I'm looking at the line on seasons right now. It's, you know, right now it's 14 and a half. And then the money line for the bills is negative 1000, which is not good if you want to make money. And then the over under is 45. It's like, if I'm looking from a betting standpoint, I'm picking, you know, either try to get the points and then, you know, maybe the spread, but I wouldn't be picking the money line. I mean, unless you want an easy parlay, you know, bet, but that's still not going to pay out a whole lot. But Tyrod can make it interesting. That's where it gets a little worrisome just because Tyrod has shown he can win and play in this league for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that same exact sentiment. It's good to see we're on the same page here. Kyle, this has been a blast. I'm glad to have you on. Unfortunately, it's not great circumstances. It never is. Like you said, sometimes you're the grim weed. But it's not because of the, the work you do. It's just the nature of the business. But you do amazing work. Every I've read every article you've done um, on bangedupbills.com, uh, which is you know obviously a great read. And you, you're a great follow on um, all phases. You're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, correct? Yeah, I'm everywhere. And on Reddit, too. It's just amazing. I started back in 2017 as a way to try to give more context to the injuries because I didn't feel like it was really being talked about. And of course we've seen it explode so much with betting and just people having access to watching the stuff. I think, you know, call us Twitter doctors, you know, national media and whatnot, but it's just, it's been a lot of fun. It's just really cool seeing how it's grown and just seeing the appetite people have for it. And yeah, it is unfortunate when I do have to talk about that stuff, but like, you know what people want to know about it and you know, Hey, is guy going to come out quicker? What's this mean? It just, there's there's definitely been a need for it. I mean, every facet of the game, people want to know more about. So I'm just trying to do my part and say, hey, this is what I know. I'm not right on every time, but here's my thoughts, and hopefully they can give you some answers. Yeah, I mean, there's there's very few accounts that are that are that are like yours and that provide that kind of knowledge. So obviously, as a Bills fan, I mean, you're my go-to for all that stuff all the time. And I appreciate your Bills insight, too, because not only are you a, you know, a doctor in physical therapy, but you're also a Bills fan, too. So you have thoughts on the team. I know you get your thoughts out for uh, for Joe Marino's Locked On, on Bills and, and Cover One and stuff like that. So that's always good to hear, too. Is there anything else you want to you want to end with before we you know end this podcast? Where can people find you on social media? Is there anything you have for the outlook for the Bills season or anything else you want to plug? Uh, I'm on all the big ones, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, or X or whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, I'm not really necessarily plugging anything. I mean, but if you want injury information, go to my site. You're going to find anything and everything you want there. I'm always trying to find ways to make it better, but once again, time-dependent stuff. I just Sometimes I can't put as much time into as much as I want to, but I do the best I can with it. And I'm pretty open to ask you know, questions and whatnot. Um, I do hope the Bills do have an easier time with injuries because – I've been pretty busy man lately, but, um, you know, kind of going back and forth and hopefully that they get a little healthier, especially down the stretch so they can be healthy ahead in the uh, postseason. Yeah. And that's all that matters. So I was, so real quick, I know we have a few more listeners and, and if you guys want to ask Kyle a quick question, I know he's busy. He's got a family, he's got things to do. This isn't his full-time job. Um, but we definitely appreciate the time he puts into it. But, um, you know, I mentioned just a few weeks ago, I'm like, I I've kind of tempered expectations to, we're going to win this number one AFC, you know, seed after the Bills Dolphins game, after they trounced them to like, man, we just need to make it to the postseason and somehow, you know, get ahead of steam because I don't know if that number one seed is still possible. I mean, it still might be, but I feel like I've tempered expectations in the last couple of weeks. Have you found yourself doing that as well? Yeah, I mean, we, we're playing a, a tougher schedule. We, we 
we play the toughest schedule because we have first place schedule. So it's like, just get to the playoffs. I mean, obviously better seeding, but we see time and time again where guys have top seed and they get bounced. So it's like, just get to the playoffs and let something happen. So that's get there and we'll figure it out then. Yeah, exactly. And I pray, I pray that you're not writing an article about Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen at any point in the season for any extended period of time. So cool. Thanks again for coming on, man. You're the best. Uh, appreciate all that you do and, uh, and taking time for us tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Glad we were able to get this set up last second, but uh, you know, hopefully you don't hear from me too much, but if you are looking for information, make sure you come find me and go Bills. Yeah, go Bills, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys all for that. I'm going to give a couple of quick uh, bets for any of you that have followed our betting on the Bills podcast segment um, that we do each week. Uh, for those of you looking to make a few extra bucks, I believe we are at 72% for getting these bets right, um, which is pretty impressive. The only time that we've ever lost a Bills bet concisively was last week. We all had the Bills uh, take, being the Jaguars last week. Um, this week, I have a few bets that I want to share with you guys. Uh, I, I have the Raiders being the Patriots this week. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Patriots. Um, I, think the Raiders, I think the Raiders are just in a better spot. Um, there's just so many injuries. I mean, Kyle just alluded to it. We weren't even talking Patriots and he just mentioned how devastated the Patriots team has been with injuries. Um, I think the, the Raiders come in they're a little bit, obviously a lot healthier. This is a team that isn't a great team. We saw them in what week two, not a great team, but still good enough to beat a beaten Patriots game. And then he also had the Josh McDaniels factor. I mean, Josh McDaniels wants to prove that, you know, Maybe he should have been the successor to uh, Bill Belichick, or maybe they should have gotten rid of him and kept Josh McDaniels instead. Um, so you have that going for you. I think the 49ers at five and a half over the Browns is a good bet. Um, the Browns might not even play Deshaun Watson. So if you're going to make this bet, like bet it now before Deshaun Watson, we find out that he's ruled out um, because that, that line will move up from five, five and a half to seven or maybe even eight easily. So um, so that's one. And I do like the Bills at 13 and a half with a caveat. I say if, if Daniel Jones plays, even if Saquon Barkley plays, I was going to use that as a, Saquon Barkley plays, but Daniel Jones plays, I'm betting the Bills on this one. But if Tyrod Taylor is the starter for the Buffalo Bills, at court, or I'm sorry, starter for the Giants against the Buffalo Bills at quarterback, for some reason that just gives me a little bit more of a pause. I don't like that bet. I'd probably bet the other way, so that's my caveat. If Tyrod Taylor starts for the Giants, um, I think there's a revenge factor. I know people don't like hearing that. I know people don't think it's real, but it's real. Anytime touchdown, I wish I was at a place where I had a service. I would have given it to Zay Jones last week. You got that revenge factor. Isaiah Hodgins potentially in any game or anytime touchdown scorer um obviously tyrod taylor like we mentioned uh if for running running touchdown i mean a rushing touchdown sounds exactly like what would happen with tyrod taylor uh let's see what else um oh yeah john our co-host john gave me some of his bets so you guys can have that he actually likes the patriots at plus three so i think that line might have moved to uh to three points for that game so he likes new england he likes the bills at 14 um but he says reluctantly in parentheses so i i get that i get that no caveat there with him but he also likes the the cardinals at plus seven the jets at plus seven the colts at plus four he's taking all the underdogs this week i i feel like i'm always taking the uh the favorites there so check those things out again this episode is brought to you by the twin spire sportsbook at delago um, one of those great places to make those bets if you've been following us you've been making some money i know i've been making some money um there so check out the delago resort and casino for that uh so for me nate go bills enjoy the bills giants game um like kyle said let's keep our fingers crossed that there will be no more injuries uh that nothing uh, that all the bad things happened for the buffalo bills and for me nate go bills and we'll talk to you guys again after the game for the recap yeah you find us we breaking the tables we tailgating breaking them tables we breaking them. Uh, you know the mafia dangerous you see us we breaking the tables we breaking, uh, them. We breaking them tables we breaking them tables we breaking them tables we breaking them breaking them you find us we breaking the tables we tailgating breaking them tables breaking them you know the mafia dangerous you see us we breaking the tables we breaking them tables we breaking them tables we breaking them tables
tables. We breaking them, breaking them. You know the mafia dangers. Put a head out on your favorite team. Find step bigs, he running the scene. Khalil Shakir, he doing his thing. Allen got weapons, shooting the bomb. Mafia mine, please don't step on my shoes. Game day ones, the white, the red, the blues. Hey man, breaking tables is traditional. Wishing the fish, look at my drip. Never cheating like Belichick is. Sean McDermott never telling the biz. Deion Dawkins, Mr. Brown, we got Mitch. Gabe Davis, toe tapping to this. Who making anthems that slapping like this? Nobody getting attraction like this. Don Brown never been through a table. A Lombardi will get me through a table. This is our year. Not be a fable. This is my year to perform on a table. Just to show you that I'm Buffalo ass. Going viral, your fans cannot match us. Don't you come to our house and just trash us. Get the table like Devon and Bubba Ray. What's up? What's up? Do you know who we are? Yeah, I know. It's the Mafia, baby. Yeah, everybody know. Don Brown. Pick the tables. Yeah. You find us, we breaking the tables. We tell getting breaking them tables. Uh, uh. You know the mafia dangers. You see us, we breaking the tables. Uh, we breaking them tables. We breaking them tables. We breaking them tables. We breaking them, breaking them. You find us, we breaking the tables. We tell getting breaking them tables. Uh, uh. You know the mafia dangers. You see us, we breaking the tables. Uh, we breaking them tables. We breaking them tables. We breaking them tables. We breaking them, breaking them. This for the mafia ladies, this shout out, they go to the mafia babes I'm loving the hair, you got mafia braids Camo hat with the 17 on it, 17 on the earrings, you flaunt it When it get cold, Buffalo got the sweater hat And you know the number 17 still on it Josh Allen in the ring, you want it, Hey, You find us, we breaking the tables, we tailgating, breaking them tables uh, uh, You know the mafia dangers, you see us, we breaking the tables uh, We breaking them tables, we breaking them tables We breaking them tables, we breaking them, breaking them You find us, we breaking the tables, we tailgating, breaking them tables uh, uh, You know the mafia dangers, you see us, we breaking the tables uh, We breaking them tables, we breaking them tables We breaking them tables, we breaking them, breaking them Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>